In today's podcast episode, I talk with the executive director of Canby's Markets, Maxfield Kaniger, about what food insecurity actually means, equity and access when it comes to the food we eat, community-led nonprofit work, and how Canby's is helping to address the problem of food inequity in Kansas City. Canby's Markets is a 501c3 nonprofit that provides access to fresh, healthy foods in the areas of Kansas City, designated by the USDA as a food desert, where residents lack consistent access to healthy and affordable food. Access to healthy food is critical for every human. If you're a human, this podcast episode is for you. I hope you enjoy our conversation and learn something new along the way. Here we go. Today on the podcast, I have Max Kaniger of Canby's Markets. I will let Max introduce himself. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here and share um, my limited knowledge on any and all of the, the subjects. And, and it's fun to just be working with you again since, I mean, the you helped me with one of like our very, very first fundraisers. So you've been with me since the very beginning. I know, it's, it's to, crazy. To give it a try. Got to give uh, Rebecca Armstrong a plug because she... She was my partner for Crab mm-hmm. KC, and she's the one who found you and was like, this nonprofit sounds amazing. We should totally support them with our little mm-hmm. baby event that we did. So it wasn't a little baby event. It was a lot of fun. And, and <laughs> yeah, fun. and you guys saw me very early. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think, I think with that, with those funds, you ended up like getting one of your first trucks or like I, yeah. towards one that, of your first trucks. The truck that's out the window right now. Um, Cause that's still the, the first one in that one was the whole warehouse and office and everything for the first two wow. years. So yeah, I think you all helped help to get the funds to get us off the ground. That's awesome. And then now just for context for people who are listening, but obviously aren't yeah, here. Here to see the truck out the window. Well, the truck out the window, but then also like the huge building that we're sitting in now, which is Candy's yeah, Markets headquarters. Yeah, it's got a 30,000 square foot warehouse and five trucks, um, five refrigerated trucks delivering to over 40 locations uh, five days a week. That's awesome. It's been a, a few few years. Just five years. Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For folks who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and who, and what Canby's Markets is and what you do in Kansas City? Absolutely. Um, so Canby's Markets is a nonprofit organization. I started a few years ago to build a more equitable food system. Um, for me, I think the the two highlighting issues that I noticed in our food system were that we had so much food going to waste and so many hungry people. Those just just don't seem to make sense. Is the if we've got enough food, everybody should should have access to and the choice to put good, real, healthy food on the table for their families. And um, we wanted to figure out a way to do that. And and that's where we tried a few different ideas. I think it started with a nonprofit supermarket because that's what I knew, what I had grown mm-hmm. up. That's where I went to get, get my food. Um, as I got to know the issue a little more, the communities a little more, I realized that that might not be the right solution. And I started spending more and more time in these communities, talking to people, just getting to know uh, different habits and daily routines and looking at what other uh, organizations were doing around the country. And um, the idea for a mobile market kind of came to mind. I looked into that for a little while. And again, it seemed um, kind of prohibitively expensive for a 24-year-old um, to, to get started. And it seemed like um, a really great way to connect individually with the people that we're trying to serve, but also a moving target for them to try and shop for food. Right. And, and that didn't seem to be the right, right way to go. 
So I, again, continued listening and talking and trying to find out more and just spending time with people. And I realized that there was a corner store, a convenience store, a mom and pop little like neighborhood shop on almost every corner. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of dawned on me that there is already this wonderful existing infrastructure of a lot of typically locally owned small businesses all over these communities. And if I could find a way to support these small business owners, could we get the goal of providing choice and access to healthy foods um, while supporting small businesses in a way that is scalable and sustainable? And that's okay. where we came up with the idea that we have today, which is our kind of like healthy corner stores program um, where we do, we provide all of like the refrigeration and kind of shelving necessary to these, these stores. And then all of the produce itself is brought in five days a week on consignment. So it's it's trying to be low risk or, or little to no risk to the small business owner mm -hmm. um, while ensuring that we control the quality and the price of all the food. So we want to make sure that just because they're the only option in a lot of cases to get healthy food, that they're not overcharging for it or that the produce isn't at any lower quality than you would expect to find in any other grocery store. Mm -hmm. So uh, you said you were 24 when you started this. So yeah. So somewhere around there, somewhere around there, early twenties. So backing up, um, I, you went to college. Where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to UMKC, um, is where I graduated from. I did, uh, Mizzou to start, uh, I did like a year and a half at Mizzou and then I needed to get out of the Midwest for a little bit. So I took like a year off and I lived in, uh, Maui for a bit and, nice. um, then did a program called Knowles, which I loved in, uh, Australia. Awesome. So did you know, like going into college that you wanted to do something in the realm of food? No, no, no. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, um, and I think not in the realm of nonprofit either. I think most people who knew me in high school and even in early college would have thought of me as somebody who was very much like, look, I wanted to make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work hard. And I mean, I've had a job, I think since I was 11, I've always like enjoyed working and enjoyed the the freedom it provided me to do kind of what I wanted when I wanted to. Um, but that was my goal. Um, I was really lucky coming out of my time in, in Hawaii um, that I'd had some experience um, uh, kind of running a small tour company there. And then once I got home, I had some other opportunities that, that got me to a more comfortable place and I was able to like pay off my student loans and things like that. And uh, I also kind of realized that, that money isn't everything. And that while I, I was able to do some fun things, um, the people that I was working with and that were working so hard um, weren't um, rewarded in the same kind of way. And it felt wrong and, and empty. empty. And that whole like, if you work hard, you can be successful thing kind of got blown up for me. And it seemed like there are so many people working so hard, just as hard as I was, if yeah. not harder than I was, and weren't seeing the same kind of reward. And that felt wrong to me. And so I wanted to do something on a more systemic type, type of level to, to change some of that. And food is the thing I know best. So my parents mm -hmm. had always owned or run restaurants. Uh, my dad is a chef. Um, and so food had always been a big part of my life. And um, that's when I started looking at the food system in a little bit more detail. And it kind of led down that rabbit hole. But food has always been a, a tool for me to bring people together and that the people are the focus of my work and the work of this organization. Very cool. I'm sure your dad was 
jazzed that you decided to go into into food food, food into, in, in, into food yeah background. especially because i i told them especially when i was first getting started that i i did not think i would ever want to own a restaurant it just seemed like way too much work and now yeah. i run a non-profit and a little bit more work a little, a little bit of work yeah so yeah the work is always there and, and i think finding a way to, to connect it to something that's important to you makes it all worth it and yeah and yeah again keeping keeping people focused at the the heart of what we do has has i think been a big part of why we are where we are so when you were getting started with these ideas you were young and a white male mm -hmm. going into um going into communities that are mostly Mm -hmm. people of color did what like barriers or what resistance did you come up against in the beginning or did you oh my god i think i think i went to like 70 of these stores before one of them said yes oh my gosh um and at that time i actually i did live kind of off the paseo um which for the, those listeners in Kansas City, um, is in like more of a historically black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. One of the um, like guys that worked at one of the stores actually only lived a few houses down from me, mm. um, and so it was a good entry point to be like, wait a minute, you're because everybody the moment I walked into these stores, they knew I wasn't from the neighborhood. Um, not just because I'm a you know middle class white dude, um, but because they knew most of their customers. They mm -hmm. are a part of the community, which was really one of the biggest selling points for me of this model. It's like if I if I had built my own store, there's a lot of that connection that I'd have to build and make and yeah. earn a lot of trust. That Which takes, takes, in some years, cases, decades, probably. Years, yeah, years yeah. to decades to longer, um, where if I could just support the people that are already there, right. um, that trust has already been built in a lot of ways. And so in talking to that that person, um, they gave me some pointers, gave me a chance, and I think that kind of introduced me to another person who finally like let us get started. But mm -hmm. So a lot of distrust or mistrust at the beginning because yeah, you're an outsider coming yeah, in I, I understand why i mean i think i'd feel the same way in, in in their shoes and so um i think i think you know trust is definitely something that has to be earned and i think that a lot of times you know we in the position of power need to take the first step and and, and trust first like we have mm -hmm. to like overextend in in ways that say like no i'm i'm here i'm going to be here that's yeah it's also why like a lot of our our time and focus is making sure that like once we set up a store or set up with a store that we really really try and commit to being there day in and day out like maintain sure that, those relationships yeah that like just because we pop something up we cannot have the expectation that people are just going to immediately like gravitate to it and be super excited and like that there's a little bit of that hesitancy there that i think is um you know well well deserved from i mean yeah. there's a lot of organizations that they pop up with an idea they start something and then it disappears and they try another thing and it disappears and they try not so it's been really really important to me that we are consistent over the years yeah well and there's like a, a long history too of reasons for people of color to distrust white people for sure. you know so it's like mm -hmm. i mean I, in my own like nonprofit work i've i've come up against that you know and and it's it's interesting like i mean they're not always shy about being like look i don't trust you like yeah. why why should i like there's mm -hmm. no there's not like uh, a good historical track record of mm -hmm. white people following through on their promises when it comes to oh you know God. making promises to people 100%. of color i mean the even the first store that we started so we had like a pilot location that I wanted to test the idea out, see if it held water. And that was, um, it's called the Cakery. It was like a day old, like hostess shop on um, like 31st and Prospect area before the uh, Sunfresh actually went in. And mm -hmm. um, 
I talked to um, the owner of that store for a little while. Um, he was wonderful. Um, he was like, yeah, I'll give you a shot. Um, I don't know how much he'd communicated that though with um, the woman who I definitely came to have a really wonderful relationship with, uh, Miss Kathy. Um, cause I show up, um, like cooler and baskets and stuff in the back of my pickup truck. I'm backing in like very excited for very first day. Like we're going to load all this stuff in and I get there and she didn't know about it. And she was like, what, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing here? But you aren't bringing that in. I'm not dealing with this. Like, I don't want to deal with it. Like, uh, can I cuss on this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was very <laughs> much like, fuck this. I don't want to deal with this yeah. bullshit. Like I'm at like upset. And like, I literally stood in the parking lot, had to call, um, the, the guy who owned the shop and he was like, no, no, let me talk to her. And she was upset, like did not want to help in the slightest. Um, but we got set up kind of like, was like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. This is not exactly how I wanted to start. Um, but you know, over time, like, you know, um, I was there day after day after day. I mean, at that point we were doing seven days a week. So I was there every day. Jeez with her like spent i spent a few hours there with her every day um and after a couple weeks like we were very very close and Aww. like still like um she's somebody i haven't seen for a little bit now as we've just kind of like the pandemic was a weird time yeah. but we ran into each other um uh not too long ago and and it was like i had seen her the day before yeah i mean yeah she um like by because I think I got started in September in that location. And by Christmas time, she was buying food from the cooler to take home to make for me to take home Aww. to like feed me. Oh, yeah. So, and we, like Miss Cat was like the most wonderful person I could have ever started with because she <laughs> was skeptical and rightfully yeah, so. Right. But like in time, like we we really built a, a close relationship that uh, I mean, there was at that there were moments that I think she would have done absolutely anything in the world for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really special. That's I mean, I think that's saying a lot like that's a big commitment on your part to be in a place seven days a week. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have a dream like you did for Camby's Markets, you want to put everything into it. But I mean, that's not for the faint of heart. Like that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, things worth doing are worth doing the right way. And it's going to be a lot of work. And yeah. I think there's a lot of work to be done. But, you know, time passes regardless and work happens. And um, I mean, I still there was some really great moments of us just like sitting, shooting the shit like yeah. by the counter, like, well, we'd wait for people to come in and, um, you know, she would she would give me some shit for, for something. And, you know, it'd be a little bit of banter back and forth. That was a lot of fun. Um, but there was a lot of work there, too. And and. Yeah. You know, it, again, I think that if we're going to try and make change like this, that there's a responsibility to do it right. Yeah. And if doing it right means you got to be there seven days a week, then be there seven days a week. So uh, you said in the beginning you went to like 70 stores and probably something like something that, like that and yeah. kept getting rejected. So like what kept you going? Because I don't know. I, I imagine that for myself. And I think I'd be like, OK, maybe this is not the answer. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of stores to be like, nope. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, well, I'm, I'm persistent, um, and, and a little stubborn, but I get the, the, the nose weren't the same nose as I got with the like mobile market idea or the supermarket idea where it seemed more, um, like structural to the, the model or concept that it mm. didn't seem like a, a thing that would work mm -hmm. rather than this was just nose for the, the fact that it was new and unproven and, and, and something that people 
would be maybe more work for the individual working at the stores. Mm -hmm. So that was more like it needed to be given a chance rather than like, I don't think this is the right thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as we've grown, like I said, we're in over 40 locations now um, and we're hoping to continue to grow. And we've got a ever growing wait list of locations to work for us uh, or work with us. Um, uh, we have a community engagement team, too, at this point. So their whole role is really to evaluate, is this the right program? If we as an organization, we could be in 150 locations. And if we realize that that's not the right solution to actually make the change that we want to make, then we'll start to shift towards what what is. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the the purpose of this is, again, to like bring people together and, and, and to build a more equitable food system. And if we start building better and better relationships and we learn that we need to make a shift as an organization, then that's what we'll do. How do you, I'm just curious how, like, how do you not get overwhelmed? I mean, it seems like I'm it's, overwhelmed every day. You are. <laughs> every day. How do you get over, how do you not get overwhelmed to the point of being like, can't do this? Uh, that's a, a great question. The, the, um, can't do, I, I want to, uh, there are the moments that you connect with people that make everything worth it. So as long as I, I make sure I have a few of those every once in a while, I'm like out in the community or talking with the team or things like that. Like why you're doing why it. Why we're doing it. Yeah. Um, that is important mm -hmm. to for my own sanity. Um, I also feel a lot of responsibility as of a person who, who can get this to where I think it can scale and be mm -hmm. replicated across the country. I feel a responsibility to do so. Um, cause there is, there's a lot of times where I think like I could be the same person with the same idea in the same way. And if I was black and from the communities, like from East of Druze, we wouldn't be where we are. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have some of the same access to, to funding that we have. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I want to use that kind of privilege. privilege that I have to do more with it that I feel again, a responsibility to, to leave this place better than I found it. Yeah. So before we get too far down the line on all of this, I want to back up and for people who maybe don't know what what food insecurity is or what what that term means, I know there's lots of different terms mm -hmm. you can use interchangeably mm -hmm. with that, but um, yeah, it's a whole thing. So like, there's yeah. food deserts, food apartheid, mm -hmm. food insecurity, um, lots of words. But like, what what does it mean? Yeah. Um, and I do, I have lots of feelings on the words too. Um, cause I think they're important, but and we can dive into that if you want yeah. to, but for me, um, it does, it means, um, <laughs> it, so food deserts are right now, um, d defined by the USDA as areas, um, typically about a half mile, um, without consistent access to fresh, healthy and affordable food. So there are areas that like lack supermarkets typically, typically they, they also define a supermarket with more than 10 aisles or registers. Mm. So even some of the work that we're doing, like how it would move the needle and how it registers might not all fit in the same way. Um, but a supermarket just isn't typically something sustainable in a lot of the, the communities that we're looking at. And that's why they're partially why they're not there. Um, yeah. Food insecurity then I think um, is, is, right, is more talking about the people mm -hmm. that, that would live in food deserts. So people who, again, because of a lack of a system that, that provides them the choice and access to healthy foods, they're left to, to shop from these convenience stores, which typically have a lot more unhealthy options. Where then, and that's where then the term food swamp comes in is that, you know, 
It's not that there are no options, it's that the options are unhealthy, okay. yeah. which transitions into the conversation around food apartheid, which is a, a, like a newer of the terms, which mm -hmm. talks about the intentional and systemic nature that this problem exists in, that it wasn't something that happened by accident, that yeah. there were choices made and that those choices have led to these consequences, which is where my feelings on the terms come into play because I think that they are absolutely important to continue thinking about and continue to redefine because as you can mm -hmm. see there's kind of a progression of understanding as you move from term to term and i don't think that like the defining of these terms should ever get in the way of the progress towards fixing the problem because mm -hmm. like in times that we um, or and i have spent talking to people like out front of some of our locations i've mentioned like you know what you know how does it feel to live in a food desert and i've had people look at me like i was absolutely crazy like what is a food desert yeah like like they will look up and be like man there are trees all around us. <laughs> we're not in a desert <laughs> we are not in a desert i'm like no no this is what a food and they're like what are you talking about there is food in this yeah, desert like right so for the people that we're trying to serve, as long as we're making progress towards healthier options at affordable prices, that there is, you know, um, that choice being provided and we're working towards it. I think that's so not allowing the words to become a barrier to understanding mm -hmm. what's going on, yeah. not not doing the the work to understand the problem better and to get to these words but i for me like anytime you distill a huge and systemic yeah. problem like this down into a a word. a word that does a really good job conveying the message to people who may or may not understand it i think the best case scenario that we should see for any of those words should be that it is a little bit pejorative so a little bit like you know insulting to the problem mm -hmm. at hand um and that if we know that that's kind of best case scenario that we're we can constantly look and learn and try and refine it yeah and not let it slow us down yeah that's a constant battle with a lot of different things yeah, you know i mean them. if I mean... you think about like the lgbtqia plus community i mm -hmm. mean that acronym keeps getting amended and amended and for good reason but it can kind of like stall the conversation or yeah. or, or distract from what the real issue is you know mm -hmm. when certain i don't know groups get like annoyed with okay like you know yeah it's it's the same thing like all i want to always be um aware of it and i want to be respectful like if if me using one word or the other is is insulting to somebody else yeah. then then i apologize and i shift and i and i like move forward knowing that that's where they are in the conversation yeah. but everybody we talk to is going to be at different levels in this conversation i think and it's my goal good to have sensitivity to that because mm -hmm. i i come across conversations it seems like too often where folks get annoyed with like the shifting of terminology and they're like well i can't keep up with it you know it was this word and that was okay and now now it's this word and now that word that i was saying is an okay or this um you know acronym or whatever and um i just i don't know my overwhelming sense is just always that we need to have like patience patience and, and grace for it yeah like, yeah and grace if, if, i mean it's, if it was a different word and it's not something else say oh my god i'm sorry it, I, it I, is important i i didn't know let me start using the the more correct term yes and i uh, wish more people would do that would be just like i don't know if humble is the right word but 
just i guess gracious, and gracious just... yeah if, if if it's if it's something that impacts especially somebody more directly than it impacts you and right. they're saying this is how this is hurtful to me this is hurtful to me it, it, it like it doesn't need to be then their them being hurt or offended doesn't need to offend you you yeah like you can just <laughs> yeah. you can apologize and say oh my god i'm so right. sorry and like ask more questions and say, like how can i do better and then do better right yeah, because it's all just a process of learning. I mean, that's what redefining these words mm -hmm. and acronyms are. It's just mm -hmm. it's learning and understanding. And when I think of um, yeah, how we how we communicate with each other, how we like like speak like not to each other but with each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was um, and you know more about this than I do, so correct me if I'm wrong. But Maybe. like where kind of the replacement of food desert with a food apartheid came mm -hmm. in because like you were saying with the interaction that you had with someone in front of the store, they're like, well, this, like there's food here. This isn't a desert. Mm -hmm. And so apartheid implies more of it being like a systemic and mm -hmm. intentional mm -hmm. thing, intentional, you know, which situation. Can, which that there's... can then be very challenging to people on the yes. side of privilege who, who get really ruffled by the word apartheid. And yeah. if, and that may be some things that I would say to them that might need some introspecting on their yeah. own end. That if, if yeah, if if that that word in and of itself you. triggers you, um, there might be some some inward looking that needs to be done. Yeah, because if it can if it can have the um, the outcome on the the like in the communities that we serve of getting people more invested and involved and and to to care about the work then I think that that's a great way to like, like use that phrase to, to drum up support and to communicate, Hey, this, this doesn't have to exist like this. Mm -hmm. And it has been like done systemically. Yeah. Um, and we it's can been done to you. Yeah. And we can make change. Um, and if on the funding side, if it, if it bothers you, then that's another conversation. Yeah. Good word. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to, dig into that just a little bit, the intentionality behind this. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe there's a lot of people who don't understand like how, so there's, I think a misconception a lot of times that it is the fault of the people who are in the situation. Sadly, I think that's like a misconception that some people have. And so I, I wonder if you can speak to that, how, um, like the intentionality behind this yeah. and, and like the history there, because, um, I think a lot of times people who are in a, you know, certain situation that's they don't even not realize, desirable like, but, yeah. that, that they somehow put themselves in that situation or that they are at fault. Mm -hmm. And so maybe yeah. you can speak to how oh that's God, not that, true. Yeah. That, well, that, that we could be in a, here for another hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Like that. Okay, to, tip uh, of the iceberg. Tip, tip of the iceberg. Like, I mean, I do. I, I, I guess this one also typically ruffles some feathers in that I have a problem with the American dream. Mm -hmm. In that, like, it's a beautiful and simple idea that if you work hard, you can mm -hmm. be whoever or whatever you want. Well, I think that comes with the unintended, sometimes unintended, sometimes maybe that's exactly the intent consequence that if you aren't successful, you it's your must fault. not have worked very hard for right. it. Um, where I am somebody who cares very much about food, absolutely knows the health consequences of eating real food or junk food. Mm -hmm. um, and I can honestly say that if I was working two jobs and was getting home exhausted and it was going to take me another 30 or 45 minutes to get to a grocery store, I would walk Grab across the, the street thing. to the convenience store and I would grab a bag of chips and a hot dog and go home. 
yeah and fall asleep and we do that even even when it's not a situation like that you know like i do that mm -hmm. and i don't have to but it's, but like it's some, the easier it's thing sometimes that convenience makes a big difference in that choice and you know that's also something that like again if i'm talking to the individual and i'm talking to somebody who who might be in a position where they are facing some of the health consequences of not eating well i would say to them i have said to them I'm like look at the end of the day you're on your own the world doesn't always care and you got to do with these things what you what you want and have, try and your best to live the life that you want to live and that unfortunately might be more difficult in certain communities mm -hmm. since i'm not talking to the individual i'm talking to the podcast world and the the world at large i would say that we has a, have a responsibility to look after each other mm -hmm. and that if you're going to to put all of that on one person i think it's a cop out to us having to do more work to mm -hmm. build a better um more equitable mm -hmm. system because it's not it's not all on one person and it's not fair to think about like like the average right now trip to a grocery store on the east side of kansas city um if you're like food insecure is 45 minutes and often not in a car. Not in a car, on a bus, meaning Walk or walking. bus or walking, which means you're not loading up the back of your SUV with a week right. or two weeks worth of groceries. You are carrying a bag or two mm -hmm. um, that you can take home with you for that day, which means you have to go more often. Um, you also probably are not going to have the same kind of disposable income to make mm -hmm. the investment that it would take to buy few weeks worth of grocery at a time you have to budget to a point where you're like okay this paycheck is going to cover this much of these things and so i can survival mode survival on this yeah and sometimes there are benefits like like the food stamps or snap or bbt whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and i mean we've even seen because um a majority of our locations do accept uh food stamps um or snap um however people might know the program mm -hmm. um and we can see sales go up and down at different parts of the month and you can see sales boosts right around paydays you can see sales boosts right around like the turn of the month when those benefits might kick back in and so it's looking at like okay so people really are stretching this as far as these dollars and benefits will go and that that means that there is more desire and want on the table Again, we then have to look at the systemic approach to make some of those changes. And I think looking at them as the investment that they are, um, because it is investing in the health of our people, of our neighbors, of our future, mm -hmm. rather than like this kind of support and handout. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that also phrases it more in that like people aren't working hard right. enough for it rather yeah. than we need to invest in building a system that lets Works everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's my two cents. They're good two cents. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's important to kind of bring these issues down to street level, if you will, mm -hmm. and kind of humanize them. Humanize it. it, humanize it, walk around in people's shoes a little bit, because I think it's too easy often for people in positions of privilege to generalize and to have these ideas in their heads of, you know, what well, other why people. Why don't you just go to the grocery store? Yeah, why don't you just go to the grocery store? Like, what? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times I think it comes from a, you know, you're coming from a position of privilege where having a car is, um, you it's take it under, for granted. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's, you know, mm -hmm. um, having time to go to the grocery store, having money to buy more than mm -hmm. a day's worth of mm -hmm. groceries, you know, all these things that we just take for granted, and so 
it's like you have to stretch your mind a little bit mm-hmm. and and imagine someone else who isn't living in the level of comfort that you're living in and understand then the decisions that they're making mm-hmm. are like for survival. I mean, yeah. it's it's a different. Mm-hmm. And knowing that like we, we all have those days where you're tired after a long day and of imagine work. imagine that if and, that's like your every and day. And that's your every day. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, more often than not, it, it's not people who are are barely working one job it's people who are working two to three and they don't get the the benefits of some of the the full-time job perks of the the different kind of ptos and health benefit and things like that it's more like you're hourly and you're working you know two 30 hour a week jobs instead of 140. yeah yeah i know it could be a we could probably talk for hours about all the injustices that um feed into this problem you know Mm -hmm. i mean it's huge and i think that's another like thing that people need to just bear in mind it's like these things are so complicated and there's so many inputs and outputs in that create these situations Mm -hmm. that um it's it's dangerous to generalize yeah and that's that's been even one of the challenges as we've built this organization is like you know myself and the team you get into it and you start talking to people and you're like oh my god there's this part or that part or this problem or that problem and you want to kind of like help or see what you can do in all of these things and it's you know hard to to keep focused and stay in your lane challenge is so unique yeah yeah each challenge is so unique and they don't necessarily touch one another i mean they're, they're all like kind of interconnected but like how how do we how do we stay focused on food and food access, knowing that you know some of the people are going home and the houses or apartments aren't in good enough shape even to really cook that well, even as they want to, or that the you know appliances they have are old, or they may not have any of the like um, pots and pans that you might need. That there's um, all kinds of different yeah. things that go with it that some of them don't even touch food in general, but it's just a challenge of, of being where people are and the team we have being very sympathetic. It's hard for them to like not want to step in and help there. And that's where for us, it's been important to try and like identify other organizations that we trust and respect and that are doing good work in a entirely different lane. And so we can help, help all of, all of the different projects and and organizations working towards different solutions get there together. I think that's a big challenge in nonprofit, knowing that you can only do so much and spread yourself so thin without cracking. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's like the more you dig into issues like this, the more you see how nuanced it is. And it's like, well, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, take you, for example, like you're one person, or Mm -hmm. this is one organization. And right now with the resources that you have the knowledge that you have and you mm-hmm. know the time the number of hours mm-hmm. in the day that you have like there's only so much that each person in each organization can do so knowing like how and when and where to draw that line it can be overwhelming but it it, it can i, I tried uh, this also might be me gaslighting myself into not going crazy and like it can be exciting when you look at then the um system and people as a whole as like I am one person mm-hmm. and I care very much about this one thing. I can stay here and do this thing really well if I know that like the person next to me, um, you know, friends at different organizations, they they care very much about their work and stay focused in their lane and they're yeah. working on that problem. Um, it, that part of it, because it's something that like, like um, as we are recruiting volunteers, we need a lot of volunteers. 
um, often the question is like, well, what do you need help with? And I try and switch and be like, well, what do you care about? Because mm -hmm. um, we need help with everything. Mm -hmm. And I think people are going to be most engaged and most activated and mm -hmm. most likely to come back and help if they're doing something they care about. And so lights up their brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes like you'll get a surprise like um there's a, a local musician who um i'm a fan of and uh, i was talking to him and he was like well most people just ask me to play music at their events and i'm i actually really like the like creative and marketing side of things so i'd love mm -hmm. to help but i'd love to have an opportunity to do more of that i'm like well let's do that then like yeah. um i would rather like or you know sometimes we will we'll have people who are accountants let's say yeah. and they're like the last thing i want to do is help you with accounting i want to come in and like get my you're name. like dang it <laughs> that's where i could use you but some people it's the other way but some people are like this is the lane i i am most comfortable in so i don't want to come out and help you at like like we had our Cambies fest um mm -hmm. yesterday and it was a lot of fun and some people might be like i don't want to come be there and talk to 700 people and right. and be very like outgoing i'm more introverted i would rather spend time in an office with you like reviewing your um you know accounts receivable process to make sure that you're following good accounting practices and that you're making sure that you are being a good steward with the the money that donors are, are giving you and i'm like awesome Perfect. let's do that then yeah um some people are like honestly i just need to get out a little bit and i would love to come in and just kind of like sweep the warehouse because it's calming and relaxing i'm like great let's do that yeah but it's to yeah, again lean in and some people are like i don't actually really care about food i'd rather like like do something in education or in housing and it's like okay that's actually not really us um but i can connect you here's uh here this person at this organization is amazing you should talk to them and and let me connect you because they could also use your help and i think that you two would get along fabulously yeah which leads me to the power of community and leaning on your community mm -hmm. um not only i mean not only on a scale like that and you know be being able to identify like make connections with people and be able to identify when something is out of your lane and pass that on to some someone whose lane that is in but also um just within your organization and i think you know again acknowledging the fact that you are a middle-class white dude mm -hmm. um you know not coming in from like a top-down approach and coming into communities and saying, you know, this is what we're going to do, but working with the people in the community. And it reminds me of what you said in the beginning about how, um, how you learned so much about what would and wouldn't work by going to like 70 plus stores and being told no over and over again, but also like gleaning information mm -hmm. from each no mm -hmm. about what might work. So, um, can you talk a little bit about how, uh, working, with the community instead of you know coming in and superimposing yourself on top of what's already mm -hmm. there is is beneficial not only to canby's but obviously to the mission sure, of the organization yeah. um yeah i think that's got to the working with people has got to stay at the center of everything we do now and always and um i think that that'll be r really how we know we're we're doing the right thing is are we continuing to have these conversations are we constantly evaluating ourselves are we asking good questions are we asking questions that don't necessarily just reaffirm the beliefs that we have and help us like like okay th this person what said we're that doing th is good. this person said what we're doing is good so we're going to keep doing what we're doing and 
even though nine other people told us that no that's not the right thing like actively like asking questions that aren't necessarily as leading the witness yeah kind of questions right. but like like um help being us, an echo chamber yeah, to your own <laughs> yeah help, help us really refine what we're doing help, help us do what we do really well um help us fail well um help us you, you know it's a lot of like i want to do the work i'm happy to be the one like really getting in there and working as much and as often as we need to and it's something that like like we need to constantly be evaluating that that is that work the right work and we've we've set some some kind of like core questions that we have to ask as a team before we start taking on new projects um we we always like one of the like barometers i try and use for us as an organization was actually um, a friend of mine's idea, but like, if we are looking to create systemic change, then we as an organization should be able to, to at the bare minimum, take a dollar further than if you were to just give it to a, the person. Like that should be like the bare minimum for kind of change. Like if we're looking down the line, like us having the dollar to grow the organization should go further and help more people than if you just gave one person mm -hmm. a dollar to go shopping. Because there are like arguments, aren't there, that in, rather than the whole nonprofit system that we have in the United States, that we should just be giving money directly to people and letting them do with it what they mm -hmm. think that they or Which... what they need to do with it. Like, isn't I have heard that. Well, so I also before. agree with that, okay. um, and I think it would be a better. It would help my barometer more, because like like I'm all for I'm competitive, and <laughs> also I like that as the challenge. Like like let's let us give money to people, and force me and my team to continue to do further and more with it than just that. So that you're almost like competing, yeah, in a way with let, let, with yeah, make the... me compete with the dollar with your customer mm -hmm. essentially absolutely because they're you know beyond access points and um you know the quality and the price point that we want to have for it so access we we also define not as just like proximity to healthy food but affordability of that food right. um uh, we want quality there and i think that there's always ways that we can be pushing to get better and with more resources the people in the communities that we serve um because transportation is a big part of that with more money more people might have cars or might be able to push to have better you know more taxes and better public transportation um which means that maybe those access points um can be fewer and further in between but they're gonna have to be better mm -hmm. um we can look at hmm, like interesting um again maybe you give people enough money and they can order food directly to their house um there's different ways and i think there's a creativity that comes again from giving people that choice and that opportunity to push that change and the dollar is still how we make a lot of decisions in this country and across the world and so i all for let's let's give money directly to people and it's actually part of one of our next steps as an organization knock on wood um and if any of your listeners are good with um pos systems and like ebt or not, electronic mm. benefits transfer kind of rewards programs mm. we are actively trying to figure out how we can have like a canby's like like a rewards card oh cool um because then not only could we get um, really great information about like individual shopping habits so that we can better tailor like what we stock at each store. Um, but we could also set up a direct kind of pay system where I could then go to Kansas City at large and say, hey, we have X number of, of 
customers on our loyalty program. Like I could say, Morgan, I won't, you know, would you consider doing a hundred dollars a month for this particular family? And now if that particular family is willing to share information, maybe you guys could even get dinner together. Yeah. But at the very least, you would know that like, we are just then a pass through entity where that money is going directly to support this family to buy healthy food. Cool. I just don't know how to make that actually work with 40 different POS systems. You'll get there. We're working on it. That's part of what I would love to do is where we are actually then using our position and reputation to raise money to give directly to people. Our conversation is centered around um, food insecurity in urban areas. And I know we've had a conversation before about how the problem is easier to address in urban areas um, because of proximity yeah. and ability to, um, you know, truck food to places I, like your, your locations, if you look at your map are all within what, like a 10 mile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at the map, mile... that, that, that's about a five mile circle is the smaller one. Okay. So most of them exist within a five mile radius. Yeah. So, uh, so then you think about um, food insecurity in rural areas, which is also a very real issue, mm -hmm. but a more challenging one perhaps yeah. to address. Yeah. I mean, that's the, those kind of economies of scale and the logistics problem of, of getting food that is very perishable to places on a like consistent and fresh basis um, in like rural areas. So that same USDA definition goes from like a half mile to 10 miles. Mm-hmm um before you would even be considered in a food desert wow. um you know, like access and availability of like cars is a, a little different in how they they try and work that into the definition but you know people are still people and they got to eat and they they should be eating real and good and healthy food and it does it's my again untested and hopeful thought it, at this moment of my with my understanding of it is that we can hopefully use some of the um the density that we have here in a city as we grow to more and more and more locations to support some of those like i guess tangentially rural communities mm -hmm. and hopefully then expand out to there but um at the very least i'm hoping to use some of the like learning that we have around the benefit of people eating healthy and having access to healthier foods as a way to guess lobby is is a, is a charged word but lobby mm -hmm. um some of the like state, local, federal governments to help support maybe some of that mm. further reach because that's the best idea I can come up with right now of making sure that the like more rural communities aren't left out in this. So it's kind of leveraging what you've got going on now to benefit mm -hmm. rural communities to expand outside of that radius. Yeah, but the, this is definitely the pun intended low hanging fruit to go to the yeah. more dense urban communities to start build up with um, data that it is or can work, um, build up data that there is some level of sustainability to it and um, that there is a desire and need for it and that the impact that it has on the other end is worth the investment. Yeah. And then hopefully we can expand on that and also hopefully that as we spend more time doing this, we are learning and getting a little bit better and a little bit more efficient and um, I think that there can be some, not all equity built into this system through efficiency. What do you mean by that? Can I you mean, explain that a little? Yeah. <laughs> um, in the like equity looking at like, how do we make sure everybody has access to the, some of uh -huh. the, these options, um, especially with a perishable product, like the more efficient we are as a system, 
the faster we can move things like because we do we try and turn our entire inventory every two days um, and so if we're working upstream with other wholesalers other distribution partners um, the more efficient we are with some of our systems of getting food from them earlier we can get it at lower price we do buy a good portion of the food that we're putting on these shelves um, if we're getting it from them earlier for identifying it in larger volumes and we can make quicker better and data driven decisions i think that there can be more equity derived from that efficiency in reaching more communities reaching more rural communities with the same um with that same dollar you know as an aside i feel like it would be so cool to get michelle obama like on your case because like to to make her aware of Cambie's markets because you know that was like her whole yeah, thing the, the in the white house the let's move Cambie is huge um we were uh, uh one of my more favorite achievements i guess um in 2021 um we were both triscuit change makers on like a national level oh, cool she got it and got to be on the ellen show and they awarded her the check and it seemed really fun and then um i got it and a woman in florida got it um and we also got to be on like triscuit's thing but I was hoping maybe they would make that introduction and it, yeah it, it did not happen but we were at one point decently we close the we were, same platform we got the same award um which was wow. the crowning achievement for me so far yeah um and um, I do know that there's a few, like Kansas City is not too far from Chicago. And I know that there's mm -hmm. some local ties um, to some of the like national work that she's been doing. And she's definitely on my radar of people I would love, to, yeah. you know, um, from a professional and just a personal I know. standpoint. I've, yeah, I'd I know. like to be friends one day. But I know. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can dream. Well, don't forget the little guy if you ever, <laughs> if you ever uh, make friends, get there. on a yeah friendship level with Michelle Obama. Um, mm -hmm. Just yeah. remember that truck out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have a craft beer together. Yeah. Is there anything that like particularly that you want to cover? I I do want to emphasize that idea that it does take a little bit of work from all of us. Food touches a lot of different parts of people's lives, but there there is a part of I mean, all of these systems are just made up. I yeah. mean all of the rules we've got, all of these things are all made up by us as people and, and so therefore changeable all changeable all things that we can we can and and should constantly be looking to improve even the ones that we like and are are, are working well should always be looking to improve and so for the people who are listening it's it's about like finding the thing that you care about and trying to do it well trying to do it better and trying to do it in a way that that gives um and shares with the people around you yeah because yeah if it's not coming and supporting us love that we can use all the help we can get um support the thing that that matters most to you yeah it reminds me of basically the same thing that was said um on i don't remember which number episode but courtney masterson she was on uh, she's she and her partner are um they just started a nonprofit called native lands uh, restoration collaborative and they were an llc for a long time and then um just this year became a nonprofit. Um, but they've been doing the work like with prairies and and restoring prairies forever. And I mean, she, she had that same message, like if getting outside and, you know, counting butterflies or whatever, or inv removing invasive species, isn't your thing. There's so many ways that you contribute, can contribute to mm -hmm. nonprofit work in a way that's super beneficial to the nonprofit without having to, you know, 
do the thing that maybe the nonprofit is like that's that they're known for mm -hmm. or you know you don't have to come out to an event and like you said talk to 700 people like yeah. leverage your unique Thanks. talents and interests for mm -hmm. good for yeah. the benefit of other of, people of other people i mean i gotta get like um one of the, the volunteers we actually had at canby's fest yesterday for example uh he's a like freshman in college daniel um he was helping us when he was in high school still at, at rockhurst and i mean he was happy to be out working in the heat yesterday <laughs> but he's a genius with uh like in computer science and has helped us like revamp all of like our data wow. management and he did he spends time on the computer just getting stuff done and he dives in in such a an, a wonderful way that i'm not good at and we are a a food company is what most people would think about yeah. us and so most people don't think necessarily that like hey you need help with computer stuff with our yeah mm -hmm. well and it's so much more motivating to to use your skills in a way that's for the betterment of mm -hmm. the world you yeah. know for for good um because there are certain things you know that maybe i dread doing when it's just for for me yeah. or for work for you work, know yeah. but but when you know that there's like a bigger impact it suddenly makes that skill seem a lot more valuable you're like okay mm -hmm. i can do this and like this. and i can see I the impact this, yeah. that it has on like a lot of people and not just you know for mm -hmm. my company that company i'm working that, for or yeah. whatever that mm -hmm. you may or may not really may, care about may, may or may not care, care as much about but yeah. yeah that's and and i think there'll there'll be some hopeful reward to it and and if there's like like think about like what thing is out there that, that might make you feel that way because i i promise when when you find it you'll feel it so some of these are questions that i've asked everybody okay and it's funny to see everyone's very similar reactions to them uh -oh. to being asked uh what's your favorite thing about yourself Shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing about myself or my eyebrows <laughs> hey my son has he's two and a half he has excellent eyebrows too yeah, my, and it's a real excellent. thing it's real it's since i was a little baby they've been him too they've, since they've he was two months old yeah, a little baby picture man the, the oh eyebrows God, are, funny. yeah would be my favorite thing about myself is that too vain um yes what is your favorite thing about yourself character wise character wise um uh i think oh god i hate this um i think uh i, I think I, I i care a lot about the the people around me something that you appreciate in others like as like a character or a trait it was a character or trait um i think one of my favorite favorite things in other people is when you see somebody like light up about something they care about mm. i don't care like what it is mm -hmm. um but like when somebody is like super passionate about a thing like if it's microphones or even like yeah. the like like microphone cables yeah don't care like that yeah. like when you see somebody who really cares about something and they can ju they just start like spiraling off Their talking about it yeah yeah that's my favorite thing and everybody has something everybody's got that something when somebody's know. really passionate about it like they can make you interested in it like yeah. for example i read this book tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow yeah. Yeah. and it's about video gaming and mm -hmm. like i have no interest in video gaming like that's not my mm -hmm. cup of tea at all but i devoured this book i've heard so many good things about yeah. it yeah and it was interesting. It kind of like triggered memories in me. I like, I, I didn't forget, but I just don't think about it very often. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Sims. Yes. And so, I mean, that was a computer game, uh -huh. but you know, it kind of like tapped into that, mm -hmm. um, part of me where I was like, okay, like I understand I their yeah. world and like why they're so into video games. Cause I remember feeling that way about the Sims. So mm -hmm. yeah. When somebody's like really into, yeah. into something, they can make it 
more interesting yeah. to you, I even if you think you're not interested. Like it, it, yeah. And that's, that's the part that's like my favorite quality in other people. There's that, like, when you see it, like, again, it can be the most obscure or random thing or something that means nothing to me. Yeah. And seeing somebody else like talk about, like, can I tell me more? Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, tell me more about like, those microphone, microphone cords. cords. Yeah. Like whatever. It is. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's so fun seeing people just like, like share, a, like there's like a level of like intimacy or vulnerability. Also, I guess there, there's a part of me that just like worries a lot about like the apathy and that it, it's, it's cool to like not care about yes. things. And God, I want to make or to it, not try to not try. Like I want to make it very, very cool to try, like to try yeah. really, really hard and be okay, like and fail and fail and and be like I try, I gave it my all, and I came up short. And yeah, the, the like the the trying is the thing to really yeah. celebrate. I, there's been like a little undercurrent that I've noticed lately, like on on social media of embracing your cringiness mm -hmm. and i'm here for it mm -hmm. because i feel like throughout my life i've done so many things that are cringy like i might look back on this podcast and be like that was so cringy that Why i did that you? but at and least like you, you tried and you did it and you don't know what will stem what from stems it from it yeah like do things like be kind do things with good intentions and, and just try and put just, in a little effort yeah, don't be scared don't be scared yeah be it, cringy it, yeah Base be, the be cringe. cringy. put it out there and and i think the more we can support that the the more people will feel comfortable being cringy yeah mm -hmm. i also heard um it was on another podcast uh glennon doyle's podcast mm -hmm. and i think and she had somebody on and they were saying <laughs> they were like i you know i'm not really a good singer but i always wanted to be a singer because i thought that would be so inspiring you know if people heard if other people heard me singing and they're like i'm not so great but Don't but i'm try. doing it then maybe other people would try singing. She's like, there's nothing inspiring. I mean, she was joking, but mm -hmm. she's like, there's nothing inspiring about someone who's amazing at singing. At singing, singing. singing. Yeah. Like, hey, you're great at this. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So of course you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, what's a daily habit that you think is important? One that I used to do um, all the time, and I, I need to get back to it, and I've missed it recently, was I always used to watch the sunset. Oh, yeah. Just like pause, because it, it takes a minute. Which is going out like right before and just like pausing for two seconds to reflect on the day and just sit and yeah be quiet for a minute and we're so lucky here in the midwest we have amazing we have some gorgeous some gorgeous sunsets and, yeah. and so that was one i yeah i've fallen away from but i think was really helpful when i did yes and it just it it allows you to feel that like awe mm -hmm. and and wonder and smallness mm -hmm. you know you're like wow I'm just this tiny little Little human thing, in yeah. this under this big sky. Yeah, gives you a little like whatever happened that day a moment to just be like, eh, it's not the end. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you want people to know about you or Canby's um, or both? Well, I prefer them not know about me. They didn't <laughs> like if if they just paid attention to Canby's, that would be ideal. <laughs> um, I want them to know that we are we're trying, and that we aren't perfect. That we're made up of people that. Um, are filled with mistakes and we're going to want to learn along the way and that um we also take feedback decently well um like i encourage people to to go shop at the stores um all of our locations are listed on the website um but go shop at the store and like feel free to reach out and say like hey uh, there was a you know a moldy strawberry or a brown banana at the store so I want to know so we can like identify it and try and make it better. Or if they see a way that we can get better, or they see a, a potential connection into the community where we, we have the opportunity to listen. What is a favorite book of yours or like a book that you've enjoyed recently? 
I haven't read it yet, so um, I I can't tell you if it's good, but I do. Um, it's by another a local author, Jaya Kavali, who's uh, at the Kaufman Kaufman Foundation. Um, um, but she I just got her book, uh, Well Intentioned Whiteness. Um, and so we'll see if I yeah. learn anything about my well intention. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go pick that one up from the library too. Okay, and then how can people engage with you in Canby's Markets? Well, they can absolutely donate. Um, so with a check, <laughs> credit card, or cash, <laughs> um, that's the easy, easy. Canby's Markets dot org. Canby's Markets dot org. So yeah, K N B S M A R K E T S on Google will get us to come up. <laughs> um, and so they can either, uh, like, yeah, donate, um, come out and volunteer, um, come to some of our events, uh, or just share this podcast. Yeah. Tell other people about it. Find us on social media and share our work. What's your next event that you guys have? Um, we're the next, next one would be, uh, we, we do ugly dinners is what we call where we partner with local restaurants. Um, we help provide them some of the food and then they create a menu out of, um, some of the food that actually isn't even at the same quality that we would take to the stores. So it'd be below that quality level and see the beautiful meals that they can create with it. Ugly food deserves love too. It sure does. And they, they give it some love. The food has been amazing. Our first one this year was at like Antler Room and it mm. was very good. Uh, this next one coming up is at uh, Farina. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got a number of those throughout the year that um, love to have anybody come join us at. Um, we have a few other events that will be kind of because uh, we, we do more kind of smaller um friend and fundraisers but um so again people can come and, and enjoy and all of those events are on our website as well yeah and on your social you guys do a good job of keeping your social media thank you popping thank you we're working <laughs> on it i'm not very good at social media so i have to give all all of that to the team is is really good they do at, a good at, job at, at, yeah yeah well thank you max for sitting down with me and talking with me about food and food insecurity and food deserts and Canby's markets and all the things. Um, it's been really cool to see you guys uh, come so far in five short years. I feel like Rebecca and I kind of got in on the mm -hmm. scoop really early on when you were just a little baby Canby's markets and mm -hmm. now you guys are like a real deal. So it's really, really mm -hmm. cool to see the progression and can't wait to see where it goes. Thanks for listening to the Makers, Dreamers, Doers podcast with me, Morgan Barrett. Please remember to follow, review, and share this podcast with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Your support helps more people find the podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at morganbarrett underscore underscore and check out my website for more information at morganbarrett.co.